Welcome, everyone, and thank you for standing by for the Alphabet Fourth Quarter 2020 Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your touchtone telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Jim Friedland, Director of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Alphabet's fourth quarter 2020 earnings conference call. With us today are Sundar Pichai, Philip Schindler, and Ruth Perrette. Now I'll quickly cover the safe harbor. Some of the statements that we make today regarding our business, operations, and financial performance, including the effect of the COVID-19 pandemic on those areas, may be considered forward-looking, and such statements involve a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. For more information, please refer to the risk factors discussed in our most recent Form 10-Q filed with the SEC. Additional information will also be set forth in our upcoming Form 10-K filing for the year ended December 31, 2020. During this call, we will present both GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. A reconciliation of non-GAAP to GAAP measures is included in today's earnings press release, which is distributed and available to the public through our investor relations website located at abc.xyz investor. And now, I'll turn the call over to Sundar. Thank you, Jim, and good afternoon, everyone. 2020 was a year unlike any other. We are proud that people continue to choose Google's products to stay informed, connected, and comforted during uncertain times. Being helpful to people in moments big and small is the foundation of everything we do. The past year also accelerated the shift to cloud and adoption of online services. This has profound implications for all companies and consumers, and we are pleased that so many trust us to help them make this transition. In particular, Google's products and support have been a lifeline for millions of small-medium businesses hit hard by the pandemic. Today, I'll review some of the important work we have done this quarter across Google and Alphabet, with a particular focus on our growing cloud business, which we are breaking out as a separate segment for the first time. Then, I'll welcome to the call Google's Chief Business Officer, Philip Schindler, who many of you know from investor conferences and events. Philip will speak about partnerships, business, and advertising trends in the Google services segment. We've heard you'd appreciate more texture and detail there. Then Ruth will go through the quarter in more detail. First, some highlights at Google. Since the pandemic began, our teams have built new features and products to help people and businesses. Now we are helping with the complex challenge of getting vaccines to billions of people around the world. Vaccination locations have started to roll out in Google Search and Maps. Google Cloud's intelligent vaccine impact platform is helping authorities improve vaccine distribution and forecasting. We are providing substantial new ad grants to the CDC, the World Health Organization, and others to promote vaccine education. We're also making direct grants to organizations addressing racial and geographic disparities in vaccination access, plus opening up Google's facilities as vaccination clinics as needed. Elsewhere, in Maps, we added a new community feed in the Explore tab, and now you can track takeout and delivery orders when you book or order from Google Maps. At YouTube, we are building products to help creators benefit from two important trends. 
live video, and short-form video. More than half a million channels live-streamed on YouTube for the first time in 2020, from artists performing in their living rooms to churches moving their services online. And videos in our new Shorts player are receiving 3.5 billion daily views. We are looking forward to expanding Shorts to more countries this year. Philip will dive into the work to support online commerce and our partners, but I want to call out our new showcase product. It's a billion-dollar investment in partnerships with news publishers, and I'm really excited about our progress here. We have now signed agreements with nearly 450 publications, the majority of which are local and regional, across a dozen countries, including France, Germany, UK, and Brazil. And last month, we announced a new global deal with Reuters, as well as an agreement with one of the major French publishing associations to open access to new showcase. We want to do more partnerships in more countries, and we'll have more to announce in the weeks to come. Among other highlights, we also launched our reimagined Google Pay app, making it easier to organize finances and save money. It's now used by over 150 million people in 30 countries. In hardware, we recently closed our acquisition of Fitbit, which will improve our product pipeline and help make health and wellness accessible to more people. To all the Fitbit employees, welcome to Google. We have a great portfolio of products, and I look forward to sharing more about our product lines. Now, a closer look at Google Cloud. I'm very pleased with the progress here, and as Ruth will mention, we'll continue making disciplined investments to scale the business and improve profitability. Google Cloud delivered revenue growth of 47% year-over-year, with GCP growth remaining meaningfully above the growth rate for cloud overall. In addition, our backlog grew to nearly $30 billion, up from $19 billion in Q3, nearly all attributable to cloud. We continue to invest strongly in the business given the momentum we are seeing. These investments in our go-to-market organization have helped us win larger deals, including several billion-dollar deals in 2020. Deals over $250 million more than tripled in the same period. We're also seeing strong growth through our broad network of partners, with our channel partner ecosystem growing more than five times and indirect channel revenue more than doubling in the past two years. Our industry-leading customer satisfaction as identified in a recent report from IDC, is helping us drive significant expansion and net revenue retention with existing customers. Our products are mature and highly differentiated in many segments. In infrastructure cloud, our leadership in multi-cloud and cybersecurity helped us win large data center and IT transformation deals with customers like Highmark Health and Vodafone, as well as cloud-native leaders, including Wayfair and Etsy. Our leading data and analytics cloud provides new customers such as Kyoto University Graduate School of Medicine and Healthcare and Mercado Libre in retail with the ability to analyze any data in real time across any cloud. Our industry solutions based on our AIML expertise have helped us win customers like Optus in Communications and Auto Group in retail. I'm also particularly excited to see us winning large transformations by bringing the entire breadth of Google's technology to customers. Yesterday, we announced our multi-year partnership with Ford, which is using Google Cloud, Android, and other Google apps and services to transform their business. Google Workspace, 
the industry's only cloud-native communication and collaboration solution is helping companies meet their evolving hybrid workplace needs. Workspace is driving innovation at many of the fastest-growing companies. Additionally, this quarter, we expanded our partnership with SAP. They'll extend their usage of Google Cloud for their cloud solutions, including SAP Business Technology Platform, to provide the best experience for our joint customers. Across the Alphabet portfolio, our investments in AI continue to drive progress. For example, DeepMind's AI-powered protein folding breakthrough will enable researchers to tackle new and difficult problems from fighting diseases to environmental sustainability. Google's partnership with Mayo Clinic in developing AI systems that can help plan radiotherapy treatments. Waymo is now providing hundreds of fully autonomous rides per week and recently partnered with Daimler Trucks to develop fully autonomous trucks. To wrap up, last year I talked about our four big themes of helpfulness, trust, execution, and sustainable value. These will continue to guide our strategic focus across the company in 2021 and beyond as we continue to advance our core information mission in products like Search, Maps, and YouTube, keep people's information safe and secure, drive substantial advancements in AI over the next three years, and ensure we are the most effective place to work beyond COVID, all supported by sustainable long-term businesses. I want to thank our teams across Google and Alphabet for all of their work this quarter and throughout all of 2020. 2021 gives us another chance to be helpful to people, businesses, and communities. While there's hard work ahead, I'm profoundly optimistic about what we'll accomplish together. With that, I'll turn it over to Philip. Thanks, Sundar, and good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be joining you today. We're pleased with Google Services revenue of $52.9 billion in the fourth quarter, which continued the significant rebound from the negative impact of COVID earlier in the year. Two trends drove the strong results across search, YouTube, and network advertising. Consumers continued to move more of their activity online, and advertisers responded to the shift in consumer behavior by reactivating spend that they had paused earlier in the crisis. In the fourth quarter, Retail was the largest contributor to the year-on-year -year growth of our ads business. Tech, media and entertainment, and CPG were also strong contributors. The trajectory of search advertising over the past year demonstrates its responsiveness to consumer interests and needs and how marketers can quickly adjust their spending as circumstances change to focus on generating ROI for their businesses. In YouTube, direct response had a substantial year-on-year -year growth throughout the entire year, including the fourth quarter. After a substantial pullback at the outset of the pandemic, brand spending began to recover in the third quarter. Marketers realized that even if there was a pullback in consumer demand in the short term, they needed to keep their brands in front of people to stay top of mind when spending picked back up. In the fourth quarter, we saw significant acceleration of brand spending on YouTube. Network revenues in the fourth quarter benefited from the same uplift in spend by advertisers, particularly in AppMob and AdManager. Google other revenues were driven by growth in YouTube's non-advertising revenues, primarily from subscriptions, as well as by Google Play revenue growth. I now want to step back from the results of the quarter and quickly reflect on the generational shift to digital we've seen over the past year and what that means for our business. First, dramatic changes to consumer behavior have fundamentally changed the way companies are doing business across many industries and geographies. Lufthansa, or in German Lufthansa, is a great example. Like many airlines, 
They needed more insight on where to fly at what capacity and how often as travel started to open up last year. Over the summer, we built a product called Flight Demand Explorer, which gave real-time answers to these questions, helping them find demand and ramp up. Within two months, they tripled destination routes and got more than 80 planes back in the air, with many flights fully sold out within days. We're putting real-time insights into the hands of businesses in other verticals. In fact, we just launched a new insights page to give our advertisers the latest on ever-changing search trends relevant to their business right inside of Google Ads. Petco is another great example, as people adopted an unprecedented number of pets during shelter-in-place. It led to a spike in demand for pet supplies, and Petco saw their curbside pickup services go through the roof. So they accelerated delivery and pickup options using search, shopping, and local inventory ads, and were able to drive a 100% increase in their e-commerce business. And this is important. Multi-touch points like curbside pickup and pickup in store are in high demand and here to stay. We've seen huge year-on-year jumps in searches for available near me and curbside pickup. Retailers offering multi-touch are benefiting from this trend, and this offering sits squarely in our core capabilities with maps and search. Let me tell you about L'Oreal. They did a great job adapting to changes in shopping behavior by making a sharp pivot to e-commerce and to TrueView. By making existing video creators more timely and actionable, their Kiehl's US brand drove record visits to their site from YouTube, 4x more per dollar. They're also partnering with us to bring AR experience for their cosmetics across Google surfaces, including YouTube and search. I could go on and on. Companies are rapidly adapting. Next, I'd like to talk about how we're evolving our commerce strategy. We've taken significant steps to accelerate an open ecosystem for online retail that benefits businesses of all sizes, from large online household names to your neighborhood store just around the corner. We've long said that we want to make Google the best place for users to start their shopping journeys, regardless of where those journeys end. In the fourth quarter, the year-over-year growth rates in retail searches was more than three times the rate we had seen in the same period last year, driven in part by COVID. We also want to make Google the best place for merchants to connect with users, regardless of whether the transaction happens on our platform or theirs. Over the last 12 months, we grew our merchant community over 80%, with significant growth in small and medium-sized businesses. All of these merchants and their inventory will show up across Google, including Search, Image Search, and YouTube. I want to close by talking about something that has been a principle of Google since our founding. We've always believed that the future of Google and the future of our partners are fundamentally linked. In fact, we built our business on revenue share models that support a broad range of partners, including large and small online publishers, individual YouTube creators broadcasting from their homes, and global music labels, as well as Google Play developers of all sizes. We only succeed when our customers and partners succeed. One number I think is worthwhile highlighting in this context. Over the past three years, we paid out nearly $140 billion to our partners, from Google Play developers and publisher partners using our advertising services to YouTube creators, artists, and media organizations around the world. Our performance is only possible because of our customers and partners. I want to thank them for their partnership, collaboration, and feedback. I also want to thank our product, partnerships, sales, and many support teams for their tremendous work, innovating to help our users, customers, and partners succeed especially through these difficult times. I'll now hand off the call to Ruth. Thank you, Philip. We are very pleased with our exceptional fourth quarter performance after an unprecedented year. For 2020, total alphabet revenues were 183 billion, up 13% year on year, or up 14% in constant currency. 
With our new segment disclosures this quarter, I'll start with quarterly results at the alphabet level, followed by segment results, and conclude with our outlook. My focus will be on year-on-year comparisons for the fourth quarter, unless I state otherwise. For the fourth quarter, our consolidated revenues were $56.9 billion, up 23%, which reflect broad-based increases in advertiser spending in Search and YouTube within Google Services, as well as ongoing strength in Google Cloud. Our total cost of revenues was $26.1 billion, up 24%, primarily driven by other cost of revenues, which was, was $15.6 billion and up 25%. The biggest factors here were first, content acquisition costs, primarily driven by costs for YouTube's advertising-supported content, followed by costs for subscription content. And second, costs associated with data centers and other operations, including depreciation. Operating expenses were 15.2 billion, down 4%. The year-on-year decline reflects the lapping of valuation-based compensation charges in certain other bets in the fourth quarter of 2019, primarily in R&D, as well as the impact of actions taken earlier in the year as a result of COVID. Each of the three components of OPEX also reflects our decision to slow headcount growth beginning late in the first quarter. Headcount was up 3,180 from the third quarter. Again, the majority of new hires were engineers and product managers with continued aggressive investment in cloud for both technical and sales roles. Operating income was $15.7 billion, up 69%, and our operating margin in the quarter was 28%. Other income and expense was $3 billion, which primarily reflects unrealized gains in the value of investments in equity securities. Net income was $15.2 billion, Operating cash flow was $22.7 billion, with free cash flow of $17.2 billion in the quarter and $43 billion for the full year 2020. We ended the fourth quarter with $137 billion in cash and marketable securities. Let me now turn to our segment financial results. Starting with our Google Services segment, total Google Services revenues were $52.9 billion, up 22%. Each component of our advertising revenues reflects the return of advertiser spend in response to the continued movement of consumer activity online that Philip spoke about, including Google search and other advertising revenues of $31.9 billion in the quarter, up 17%. YouTube advertising revenues of $6.9 billion, up 46%, driven by a rebound not only in brand advertising, but also ongoing strength in direct response. Network advertising revenues of $7.4 billion, up 23%. Other revenues were $6.7 billion, up 27%, primarily driven by growth in YouTube non-advertising and play revenues. Within play, app revenues in the fourth quarter continued to benefit from elevated levels of engagement, reflecting increases in active buyers and spend per buyer due to COVID, However, we did experience a deceleration in growth from the levels we saw in the third quarter. Google Services operating income was $19.1 billion, up 41%, and the operating margin was 36%. Turning to the Google Cloud segment, including GCP and Google Workspace, revenues were $3.8 billion for the fourth quarter, up 47%. 
GCP's revenue growth rate was again meaningfully above cloud overall. Strong growth in Google Workspace revenues was driven by growth in both seats and average revenue per seat. Google Cloud had an operating loss of $1.2 billion, essentially flat versus last year. As to our other bets, for the full year 2020, revenues were $657 million, primarily generated by Fiber and Verily, and reflect that most of our other bets are pre-revenue. The operating loss was $4.5 billion for the full year 2020 versus an operating loss of $4.8 billion in 2019. Let me end with our outlook for each segment and our investments more broadly. For Google services, we're encouraged by the increase in consumer online activity and the return of advertiser spend, as reflected in our Q4 results. Looking forward to 2021, year-over-year -year quarterly comparisons will be affected meaningfully by the impact of COVID last year, with easier comps in the first half, especially in Q2, and then lapping stronger performance in the second half. With respect to other revenues, with the closing of the Fitbit acquisition earlier this month, we will be reporting its revenues within Google Other. In terms of investment levels within Google services, late in the first quarter of 2020, as a result of COVID, we made what we described as tactical adjustments to slow the pace of spend in certain categories. Given the ongoing uncertainty in the external environment, we maintained the discipline through the rest of 2020. Looking forward, we do expect the pace of investment to increase to support the extraordinary opportunities we see given the usefulness of our products and services in this environment. The investment pace will ramp up over the course of the year. As for Google Cloud, we've obviously been investing aggressively given the substantial market opportunity we see. Under Thomas Curian's leadership, we've further accelerated investment to strengthen the position of the business. For example, we are on track to meet our near-term goal of tripling the size of the cloud direct sales force and have greatly expanded the partner channel. We've also substantially improved our product offering while rationalizing our approach to focus on our six key industry verticals. And we've invested in expanding our network of locations for compute capacity to support cloud, ending 2020 serving customers in 24 regions and 73 zones. We're encouraged by the momentum in the growth of revenue and customer wins. We more than doubled revenues over the last two years, from $5.8 billion in 2018 to $13.1 billion in 2020. Our backlog, which is nearly all attributable to cloud, nearly tripled from 2019 to 2020. Although increases in backlog do not directly correlate to revenue trends, the growth in backlog demonstrates the success Google Cloud is having with large enterprises, which are signing meaningful long-term commitment agreements. Looking forward, we will continue to focus on revenue growth driven by ongoing investment in products and the go-to-market organization. Cloud's operating loss reflects that we have meaningfully built out our organization ahead of revenues, as we've discussed in prior quarters, with respect to the substantial investments in our go-to-market organization, as well as engineering and technical infrastructure. Operating loss and operating margin will benefit from increased scale over time. In addition, we are focused on delivering on efficiency efforts across the board to contribute incrementally to profitability over time.
Finally, as you can see from the historical data provided in the press release, Cloud's operating loss was higher in the first quarter relative to other quarters, and then the operating loss improves thereafter. We expect similar seasonality in 2021. In terms of other bets, we continue to invest with a focus on the long-term value creation opportunity. On headcount, we plan to reaccelerate the pace of hiring in Google services in line with our opportunities. Our headcount growth will also reflect the addition of Fitbit and our ongoing transition of certain customer support roles from third-party vendors to Google's in-house operations centers. We also plan to continue to prioritize investment in both sales and technical roles for Google Cloud. Turning to CapEx at the consolidated level, the year-on-year -year results this quarter again reflect the slower pace throughout 2020 of investment in office facilities. Within technical infrastructure, servers continue to be the largest driver of investment in the fourth quarter, followed by data centers. Looking ahead, we expect a return to a more normalized pace of ground-up construction and fit-out of office facilities, which translates into a sizable increase in CapEx in 2021. Servers will continue to be the largest driver of spend on technical infrastructure. Finally, a housekeeping point. As noted in our earnings press release, we have adjusted the estimated useful lives of servers and certain network equipment starting in 2021. We expect these changes will favorably impact our 2021 operating results by approximately $2.1 billion for assets as of year-end 2020. We look forward to the year ahead. Hope everyone stays safe. Thank you. And now Sundar, Philip, and I will take your questions. Thank you. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star then one on your touchtone telephone. To withdraw your question, please press the pound key. To prevent any background noise, we ask that you please mute your line once your question has been stated. And our first question comes from Eric Sheridan from UBS. Your line is now open. Thank you so much for taking the question, and I hope everyone is safe and well on the team uh, there as well. Uh, maybe I'll try first on cloud. I, I don't know if it's better to Sundar or to Ruth, but can you just conceptually help us understand how to think about the opportunity you're skating after versus cloud and how it factors back into what you want to invest against the opportunity or possibly maybe even accelerate the opportunity by looking at inorganic paths uh, to growing scale vis-a-vis -vis competition in the space? And then maybe for Philip, if I can, you know, YouTube continues to evolve as a platform. There's now subscription offerings. You highlighted the strength you're seeing in DR. Can you talk a little bit about the path for monetization in the coming years and how we should think about the opportunity against the large-scale audience and engagement you see at YouTube broadly? Thank you so much. You know, on cloud, um, you know, obviously uh, we, see, uh, we see how early uh, customers are in the shift. Uh, we see the large TAM ahead and, and uh, definitely the market dynamics and our momentum uh, in the context of the market uh, you know, is what, uh, what is the framework with which we are thinking about, uh, the scale of investments and the pace of investments. Obviously, it's an area in which uh, you know, uh, the, mo the longer you are in, uh, the cohorts add up and, and so you know, contributes more and uh, the economies of scale uh, starts working as well. But we are definitely investing ahead uh, to make making sure we are able to serve uh, the customers uh, globally uh, across all the offerings they are interested in, and that's how we are thinking about it. Uh, but not sure you want to add more. 
I think that's the, the main point, just given the sheer scale of the opportunity in our position, um, investing to really position ourselves well across industries uh, and geographies. And the key elements of it, I tried to call out in opening comments, investing in product, go to market, data centers, and you can see it uh, in the results. Uh, I think you're going to continue to see us uh, building there, and that's you know what we're talking about, building ahead. We are keenly focused on delivering for both customers and shareholders, and that, of course, includes an intense focus on the path to profitability. Yes, and uh, on your question on uh, YouTube, on the overall development and uh, the subscription side, our direct response business on YouTube was practically non-existent three years ago, and now it's one of our largest and uh, fastest-growing ad offerings on YouTube. And uh, with True Refraction, uh, we're actually making it easier for advertisers to unlock opportunities to reach audiences with video campaigns. And just to give you a few numbers, 60% uh, of True Refraction customers are new to YouTube, and we more than doubled the number of active advertisers using True Refraction in the first six months of uh, 2020. And we're really tapping into the tremendous innate commercial behavior on the platform. 70% uh, of YouTube viewers are saying they bought a brand as a result of uh, seeing it on YouTube. Uh, I talked about L'Oreal earlier. Uh, Masterclass is another great example. Uh, online learning has become a huge opportunity, and they use True Refraction to connect the right people to the right content and saw really big, like 140% increase in clicks to their sites, 70% increase in signups to courses, and so on. Um, YouTube continues, in our view, to be amazing for brand advertisers as well. Um, our brand business was hit hard in the early stages of the pandemic, uh, rebounded in Q3 and into Q4, and it really helps advertisers reach younger audiences. They can't reach anywhere. Um, we now reach more 18 to 49-year-olds than all linear TV networks combined. Uh, watch time is increasing. Uh, advertiser effectiveness is getting better and better. And so, so this is this is a very 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 nice development on the subscription strategy. Uh, maybe just briefly, um, music is an incredibly popular vertical on YouTube, uh, and uh, obviously a key part of the. Uh, overall experience, um, we found that users wanted a premium YouTube experience and we basically the ability to download songs and videos. Um, YouTube Premium provides additional revenue streams, of course, for music labels and publishers as well. Uh, in 2019, YouTube paid the music industry over $3 billion. Uh, we have over 30 million music and premium paid subscribers. Uh, we are now operating over 95 countries, um, so members get a lot of extra benefits. Yeah. Thank you. And our next question comes from Doug Anmet from J.P. Morgan. Your line is now open. Great. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, Ruth and Sundar, I just wanted to follow up on Eric's question a bit. Um, Anything else you can add just in terms of the, the significant inflection that you saw on, on Google Cloud backlog there? And I guess in particular, curious, um, you know, what you're seeing in terms of benefit and success as you're leveraging uh, Alphabet more broadly, uh, like in the Ford deal. Um, and then uh, how do you think about uh, Google Cloud margins structurally kind of long term relative to peers? Any color there would be helpful. Thanks. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll start with the. Uh, you know, customers are looking for uh, digital transformation, and depending on the sector they are in, uh, they are definitely interested in uh, a broader solution set uh, across the breadth of uh, what Google and Alphabet uh, can bring. We see this in healthcare, uh, our efforts in Google Health, 
uh, work that's happening in Verily uh, all end up helping. Uh, Ford is a great example of, uh, you know, as they're thinking longer term, uh, not just for cloud, uh, but Android auto powering uh, their vehicles. Uh, you know, and so these are big, uh, big uh, transformations uh, cutting across the company. And one of the areas where uh, we are really executing uh, is the, uh, you know, leveraging our global uh, business operations that Philip runs and partnering closely with uh, Thomas's teams. And, uh, you know, that's, that's definitely uh, brings in a lot of synergies here. Uh, on your second question, you know, uh, on, the, on the broader stuff, the one thing I would say is, and I mentioned the uh, part earlier, you know, the, you know, we get into these long, long-term deals. And so over time, you know, as you add more cohorts, uh, that contributes uh, to, to the margin structure. Uh, you know, it is, uh, you know, the scale of the product offerings, uh, the number of uh, areas and the number of regions in the world, uh, you know, this is a much more significant investment. And, uh, and so... There is definitely a fixed cost structure associated with it, and and uh, we are also investing ahead. Uh, but as we scale up the business, uh, you know, we expect uh, the trends to be uh, favorable. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from Brent Phil from Jeffrey. Your line is now open. Good afternoon. Yeah, you mentioned you accelerated, uh, uh, saw accelerating brand spend uh, in in the quarter, and many investors are asking the sustainability and what you're seeing uh, in that as you head into the beginning of this year. If you could just talk uh, directionally in terms of how how your clients are acting as as they head out of the uh, the holiday season, uh, that'd be helpful. Thank you. Sure, I'll I'll take that. Um, you know, as as we've each noted, the financial results really did reflect this increase in advertiser activity, and that was in part unlocking budgets that they had paused earlier in the year, as well as really reflecting the increase in in consumer online activity. Um, the the largest contributor, as uh, Philip mentioned, was uh, retail, the largest contributor year on year growth of the ads business. But I would say tech, media, and entertainment, as well as CPG, were also meaningful contributors, and for search. We saw ongoing improvement in advertisers spend Bradley. Bradley. Um, for YouTube, direct responses Philip talked about really did maintain a very high level of growth, and the acceleration in overall YouTube revenue growth reflects the pickup in brand advertising across all verticals on top of the ongoing strength um, that we saw in DR. And then in network, also, same point, it's you know this pickup in advertiser spend. Um, as Philip noted, it was led by growth in ad mob and ad manager. So we're really pleased with Q4. It was a great end to a challenging year. And when we think about 2021, I made the point in opening comments, we obviously have easier year-on-year comparisons um, in the first half as we, you know, anniversary, the effects of the pandemic. Um, so, we, you know, not much more to add. We It was a strong quarter, and we feel really good about the level of activity. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you. And our next question comes from Keith Carey from Goldman Sachs. Your line is now open. Great. Thank you very much. Um, I appreciate the level of detail on the, the drivers behind the acceleration search in YouTube. I, I was wondering if you could go a bit further and disaggregate or, or give it even just qualitatively the drivers um, behind that acceleration between pre-pandemic advertisers returning to prior spending levels Versus new advertisers or new advertiser spend being being allocated to the to the platform, 
Well, I think the main point is sort of this mega comment that we saw a, a slowdown, and as Philip said, and we talked about on prior calls, you know, one of the first things that happens is a step back, and then you see as users reengage and activity picks up, um, and the effectiveness of of uh, advertising the ROI available, you see advertising come back in. We, I remember talking about this uh, throughout last year that we had seen this actually going back to the prior financial crisis, and what you've seen is just a, a broad-based re-engagement, um, which we're, uh, we're we're really pleased about um, across you know across industries, um, and it's also. As Philip noted in his comments, um, there's been a tremendous opportunity really to step in here and help small, medium businesses as they were evolving and adapting to this new digital world, uh, and it's been quite key there as well. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. And our next question comes from Brian Nowak from Morgan Stanley. Your line is now open. Thanks for taking my questions. I have, I have two for, for Philip. So the first one, I uh, appreciate all the color on, on retail and commerce, the merchant community growing so strong in the last year. I'd be curious to hear about your your discussions now with, with merchants and sort of what the, the largest friction points that they're looking for, for you to solve and sort of continue to help them as the, as the world reopens, the kind of the merchant discussions. And then secondly, um, a question on one of the earlier products on Discover Feed. Love to hear about sort of early learnings on Discover Feed and how you think about hurdles you need to overcome to, to monetize that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for the question. Look, at the highest level, we want to build a healthier e-commerce ecosystem. Uh, when people come to Google to shop, we want them to help find the best products with the best prices from really the widest range of merchants. And we want our results to be as comprehensive and relevant uh, as possible. And uh, we took some significant steps last year, uh, as you know, uh, on Google Shopping. And in many ways, we really see them as a return to uh, first principles here. Uh, free listings, zero commissions, really good feedback, helps lower barriers for online retail. Um, so we've become a great place for stores to connect with potential customers, and whether it's by driving traffic to the websites uh, through free listings or ads, or just by making it easier uh, for purchases to happen directly on Google. And um, by the way, let me be clear, also shopping ads will continue to be a powerful way uh, for retailers to promote their products, obviously. Uh, so overall, we're providing an open ecosystem that works for every kind of business, from national chains and online marketplaces to just your small local stores. And uh, we're giving retailers more choice, which is very well received by opening our platform to third-party providers. Um, we talked about this, starting with PayPal and Shopify. And um, we brought YouTube into the fold, and we began experimenting with a feature that lets you learn a lot more about products and videos on a limited set of channels, and so on and so on. So I would say overall, it's, uh, it's very, very uh, well received. Uh, on the Discover side, Discover has grown. Um, so Discover is Discover and obviously um, Discovery Ads. So Discover has grown dramatically um, since we launched it, uh, I think just three years ago. Uh, people are loving how we're surfacing relevant information, uh, gorgeous visuals, uh, all in, in what we call the Horeless Feed Experience. Uh, and naturally, some of these experiences are commercial. And uh, we made Discovery Ads generally available about six months ago, I think it was May 2020, and it's already reaching up to 3 billion people across Discover, YouTube, Gmail, and that's worldwide. And advertisers love how we're able to drive performance objectives um, by really matching their premium creatives with Google intent on our, yeah, what we call queryless surfaces. 
Great, thanks. Thank you. And our next question comes from Colin Sebastian from Baird. Your line is now open. Uh, great, thank you very much. Good afternoon. Um, maybe for Sundar or Philip, a follow-up on YouTube. Um, just given the strength of, of those services, ads and subscriptions during the pandemic, I wonder if part of what we're seeing is more of an acceleration uh, from from TV ad budgets, from linear spending to to more of YouTube spending. I mean, given also the momentum we've seen in over the top over the last um, the last nine months or so. And then given some of the changing industry dynamics around privacy, including what you've already announced around browser cookies, wondering what um, plans might be as well for Android and how we should think about the potential impact on ad revenues broadly as a result of uh, privacy changes. Thank you. Yeah, I can, I can take that. Um, we've seen brands steadily shift budgets to YouTube uh, to complement their linear TV buys as TV audiences really become more fragmented. And as traditional TV ratings continue to decline, uh, TV advertisers are turning to streaming platforms like YouTube to reach people who are no longer watching TV. Um, connected TVs are our fastest growing screen. Uh, in the US, uh, we have over 100 million people um, that watch YouTube and YouTube TV on their TV screens each month. Uh, YouTube helps advertisers reach younger audiences they can't reach anywhere else. Um, we talked about it. YouTube reaches uh, more 18 to 49 year olds than all linear TV networks combined. Um, and so there is an opportunity, big opportunity for YouTube to help brands and agencies really more easily connect with this uh, audience. And uh, we're very invested in this space. And uh, just to give you a few examples, uh, in the second half of last year, uh, we launched a YouTube must-add on TV screens to help advertisers drive awareness with large audiences in basically a single moment. Many are taking advantage of it, uh, Uber, many others. Uh, we launched Brandlift for YouTube on TV screens to really help advertisers make informed decisions about ad performance, uh, optimize streaming campaigns in real time, and so on. And uh, we also made it possible last year for advertisers to basically buy among the most popular YouTube and YouTube TV content viewed on the TV screens in one, what we call, one single uh, lineup. Um, quickly on the uh, third-party cookie strategy uh, in uh, general, we, we know that expectations are really changing for how data is used uh, online. Uh, and people are demanding greater privacy. Uh, we're taking our responsibility to user privacy and to supporting our partners in the web ecosystem very, very seriously. Uh, in 2019, we announced the Privacy Sandbox, uh, which is an open standards initiative to invent new technology that will replace third-party cookies with a set of privacy-preserving mechanisms for the web. And we're making great progress. Uh, we've shared a detailed proposal with the industry for experimentation and feedback. Um, we shared uh, recently as well our what we call Flock, our Federated Learning of Cohorts API, uh, which we think provides an effective replacement signal for third-party cookies. And, and we really believe Privacy Sandbox is the best path forward, and we remain very committed to our collaboration uh, with the ads community on privacy-preserving open standard mechanisms that can, uh, what we call, sustain a healthy and ad-supported web. Okay, thanks, Philippe. Thank you. And our next question comes from Michael Nathanson from Moffat Nathanson. Your line is now open. Thanks. Philippe, uh, I was following up on Colin's question just perfectly. Um, I wanted to understand a framework, if you could, just thinking about the bigger opportunity longer term and prioritize priorities in streaming video, right? So are you happy with the progress of YouTube TV so far? Will you expand it into other countries? And can you contrast that versus the opportunity you see 
in interconnecting TVs and devices, as you've done for Google TV or Chromecast. And then is there a perceived added value from advertisers for this type of inventory? You know, does it attract a new type of advertiser to offer YouTube TV inventory or connected TV inventory uh, from the traditional YouTube advertising? Maybe I'll comment on, uh, you know, one of the things which has worked well for Google over the years is, uh, you know, we really try to reach users where they are. Uh, and that's how Google has worked always. We've invested it, you know, across platforms, across devices, across countries. And I think the same applies for uh, the YouTube experience. Uh, we want to bring it to the screen that's most convenient for users. And uh, uh, hence our investments in Google TV, Chromecast, uh, YouTube TV as a whole, uh, whole itself. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, we are taking a long-term view here, obviously focused on the user experience and uh, really, uh, really getting it all to work well. You know, we, we know while smartphones are at the center for YouTube TV is an important uh, form factor. And over time, uh, people will use it across multiple screens. And so that's the experience we are focused on. And anytime we create that experience we know uh, over time there is value uh, to be uh, you know uh, captured commercially as well uh, it makes sense for advertisers but we take a long term view yes okay. and i talked about yes and i talked about the uh, connected tv part already maybe briefly just on uh, youtube tv uh, youtube tv continues to gain momentum uh, our advertising efforts uh, on youtube tv itself are still very very early uh, but we think there is an opportunity to apply some of our targeting and measurement capabilities to, to really provide a better user and advertiser experience over time. And, uh, yeah, we heard from uh, customers that have a very strong interest uh, in advertising and streaming environments. Uh, I mentioned how we combine it in the single lineups. Uh, so, so that's an interesting path going forward. Thank you. Thank you. And our next question comes from Stephen Zhu from Credit Suisse. Your line is now open. Okay, thank you so much. So, uh, Sundar, I think uh, let's. Um, I think you recently uh, talked about a uh, 10 to 20 year journey for AI and uh, quantum computing to unlock new use cases. Um, I think you brought up in the past some of the ways AI is helping you with the products that you have in market right now. But you know, as we take a, a more longer term look into the future, um, you know, what do you think some of the new applications uh, could be? And I think, uh, Philip, it might have been an, a few years ago when you were speaking at an investor conference and you called out the desire to onboard and help SMBs, particularly as they really had no way to advertise before. And Google and online in general presented a golden opportunity to really help them grow their business. So, you know, where do you think you are in terms of, you know, putting together an easy-to-use set of tools to help those who otherwise don't really have agency representation? Um, you know, so that they can reach you know, all the different customers that they should be reaching across all the different services that you're offering. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Stephen. I'll uh, answer the AI part, uh, part first. Uh, you know, uh, we've always wanted to be, uh, you know, foundational in how we approach uh, technological advances, and uh, that's that's the core competency we invest in uh, across the company. Uh, we're one of the largest R&D investors in the world, and obviously AI, AI is a big part of it. Just, you know, I'm really excited that, uh, you know, we, over the past few years, while we have made progress in, you know, understanding different modalities, be it uh, text, images, uh, you know, voice, vision, et cetera, 
there is, we definitely, uh, you know, I think we are at an inflection point and, uh, you know, and we are investing to build better models and deepen our understanding and do it in a more generalized way. And when we do that, it'll apply horizontally across our products. Uh, you saw a version of that when we shipped BERT and Search and was one of our biggest quality improvements. Uh, but you'll see that flow across, be it Google Search, YouTube, uh, you know, Android, uh, as well as uh, our investments in Alphabet, be it uh, self-driving cars or uh, robotics. So we, we, you know, we take that view and uh, definitely want to make sure uh, we are uh, driving state-of-the-art progress. Philip? Yeah, so first let me recognize, I mean, it has obviously been a, a very, very uh, challenging environment uh, for uh, SMBs. Uh, many weren't online, uh, many lost line of sight to demand overnight due to COVID. Uh, so around this time last year, uh, as soon as we saw the scale of the impact, we really accelerated product that give our customers, and especially our SMB customers, signals to help them actually navigate and uh, pivot and uh, uh, as I noted earlier, as more consumers moved online and advertisers obviously responded by reactivating spend, uh, we also saw our advertiser base grow, particularly the number of smaller uh, advertisers or SMBs. Um, we're helping them see shifts in supply and demand, not just across sectors, but actually within sectors. Uh, for example, travel continues to get uh, hit hard, pretty hard, and after the initial lockdown last year, uh, searches for vacation homes and near me rentals, so a huge spikes um, that continues to fluctuate. Uh, on the other hand, look at uh, retail. Um, demand isn't disappearing. It's shifting in many cases. Uh, we're seeing increases in searches for, for things like gym equipment, crafts, uh, patio heaters, uh, and so on, anything related to outdoor uh, activity and so on. Um, we're obviously uh, thinking about how to help SMBs on products like uh, maps. Like over the last five years, we've made more than a 1,000 improvements to business profiles, uh, making it a lot easier for merchants to connect with customers, and especially now in the crisis, uh, in, in 2020, we added new features uh, to, for example, provide COVID updates, uh, service uh, changes, and new attributes like takeout, delivery, curbside pickup, now all easily available for consumers um, on maps to connect them to their favorite SMBs. Um, so really incredible investment, uh, frankly, from our side, and I think it's very well received. Thank you, and that concludes our question and answer session. I'd like to turn the conference back over to Jim Friedman for any closing remarks. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. We look forward to speaking with you again on our first quarter 2021 call. Thank you, and have a good evening. Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating, and you may now disconnect.